The treasure lies within you. Whenever we think of treasures, you know, um, what, what, what words go with treasure in your, in your uh, idea of treasure? I think of treasure chest, you know, pirates of the Caribbean, you know, looking for treasure, buried treasure. What else? Anything else? Gold, silver, um, treasure hunt, treasure island, huh? Pirates, <laughs> hidden treasure. So whenever, what's that? Lucky charms, yeah. yeah. Magically delicious, yeah. So we find that there are treasures in all kinds of uh, places, but our... our uh, title of our sermon and the message today is The Treasure Lies Within. So we'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 10. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 10. God told Jeremiah, up on your feet, go to the potter's house, and when you get there, I'll tell you what I have to say. So I went to the potter's house, and sure enough, the potter was there, working away at his wheel. Whenever the pot the potter was working on turned out badly, as sometimes happens when you are working with clay, the potter would simply start over and use the same clay to make another pot. Then God's message came to me, Can't I do just as this potter does with the people of Israel? God's decree, watch this potter. In the same way that this potter works his clay, I work on you, people of Israel. And then... Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 5 through 12. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ the Master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started out when God said, light up the darkness. And our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious, we carry this precious message around in an unadorned clay pots of ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, There's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are a constant risk for Jesus' sake. What makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us? While we're going through the worst, you're getting the best. (laughs) So whenever we think of treasure, do we possess treasures? (laughs) Do we possess treasures? Now, we think of treasure... Well, we assume that there is wealth stored up or held in reserve whenever we think of treasure. There's wealth somewhere, you know. It's like the, it's like the little boy, and they were twins, and one was an optimist and one was a pessimist, you know. And the parents were just so upset as to how they were going to help these, their, their, their children, these two boys. 
And uh, they were so concerned for the, the pessimist, you know, because the optimist was just so up on everything. So the um, counselors suggested that they, the, the boy who is the pessimist, the optimist, that you, you know, you wrap him up one package and give him a package, and then you wrap for the uh, pessimist, you give him, you know, all these things that he's ever wanted and, you know, just give him a whole bunch of gifts and so on so he'll realize that he has good things in his life. So they did this and they, they observed and watched how they responded and the uh, pessimist went in the room and opened up his gifts and it was the wrong color, it was the wrong size. He had had that before and it wasn't any good. And no matter what he opened, there was nothing there. So and he didn't like anything. So... The optimists, they wrapped him a box of horse manure. And he opens it up and he looks at it and he's all excited and he's jumping around. And they said, what are you excited about? He says, well, there can only be one answer. Where's my pony? <laughs> Where's my pony? <laughs> you heard that before. Okay. Uh, so the treasure really is what is of value to us. The treasure is someone or something that is valued highly. So whenever we think of what is highly valued in our life, a husband, a wife, parents, children, grandchildren, family, friends, they are our treasures. So the treasure is what is inside of you and how that it is conveyed to the people around you. So that's why something that is valued highly to you may be one man's junk, but another man's treasure. <laughs> so what is the implication? That the man who sees it as junk doesn't see the same value as the one who sees it as a treasure. So the value of an item then is determined by what a person is willing to pay for that item. Well, Jesus says, no longer do I tell you or call you servants, but I, I call you friends. Why? Because the servant doesn't know what his Lord does, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I make known to you. So Jesus looked at us and he saw the value that we have and that he died for us. Treasure in Matthew 13. God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in the field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic. What a find. And proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. God's kingdom is great treasure. See, the word of God, the scriptures, are a great treasure. We talked about despair and hope. Despair is what we look at in the surroundings and the circumstances. Hope is what we find in the scriptures. That eternal life, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So in the despair of heaven and earth crumbling, there is hope in Christ, in his word. We hold on to that which is eternal. The eternal word passes through time, and we hold on to it. It's like uh, that bar or, you know, in, a, in a car or in a bus, you know, those cable cars or whatever. You hang on to it whenever things are rough and rocky. You know that, the, that you have something whole, solid to hold on to. Despair and hope. God's kingdom is a great treasure. If a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul, what does it profit him? 
So God gave his life in Christ for you and I because he saw the treasure that he made in us. The treasure that is instilled in us, inside of us. This treasure of God's kingdom uncovers, you see, it takes the kingdom of God and the treasures of God to find the key in that treasure of God to uncover the treasure that God has placed in you. The talents, the abilities, the skills, the mindset. That God has these treasures and they are hidden in us, but it takes, tre- it ta- it takes one to know one. <laughs> it takes the treasure of God to uncover the treasure of God in us. God has a purpose for our life. God has a calling for our life. It doesn't mean that it, it's going to take you from here to Africa. It means it's going to let you see what you've got and what, who you are and what's going on in you. He's going to let you see it in a different perspective. He gives you the glasses, the focus, the microscope, the telescope of looking through God's lens at what you are and what you have. Hmm. You see, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are not divine, but the God who lives within us, he is divine. And he opens up the treasures of his storehouse and avails them to us. I always say the right tool makes the, right, makes the job easier. The right tool makes the job easier. And if you know what tool, the tools of the power of God coming into your life and allowing the power of God to work in you as you deal with all of the issues that come to you. And only the God who placed your talents within you knows where they are hidden and how to release them, how to unlock them. The truth is we have so much treasure. We have so much treasure buried within us. And the enemy of our soul is out to steal it and keep it locked. Do you remember this? Remember this? Remember this? Remember this? It isn't stuck that I'm saying that. It's important that I say it over and over again. Remember this. No one's going to try to steal something that doesn't have value. The enemy of our soul is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Why, for what reason, would the enemy of our soul want to steal something from your life, to destroy something of your life because he sees the value it would be to the kingdom of God and to you. And the best way for him to keep that from you is to get you to doubt your value, doubt your talents, doubt who you are as an individual, and therefore keep silent about that good that is inside of you. Your talents may be raw, they may be undeveloped, they may be buried under self-doubt. But guess what? God can create something wonderful within it. God can create something out of nothing. All he needs is the material that is inside of us and our desire to make it happen. Do you ever watch, you know, the movie Lincoln? Do you ever ever see the movie Lincoln yet? Yeah, it's a good one. I like it. I always talk about, oh, that's nice, isn't it? I like Lincoln, you know, okay. But uh, <laughs> I, I, whenever I would do um, 
workshops and things at, at the hospital, I, would, I often talked about, uh, and I don't have the exact slide in my mind, but you know, who is this individual that um, failed at being a congressman, was elected to, ran for local office and was defeated, ran for state office, you know, county office and was defeated, ran for state office and was defeated, ran for the Senate and was, was voted in and uh, ran again and was voted out and ran for this and was, you know, you know, defeated, 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 had children die at birth, you know, all these things and, and finally was elected president. <laughs> and what, you know, he was the greatest president of our time, of our, of our one of the greatest presidents of, of, of history. Why? He had a characteristic that was so, you know, in, in the film it talks about it, that he was always signing these letters of pardon. And there are different stories that go with it, but one of, his, one of the stories that I used was that uh, there was a soldier that, that came to, that he was, was charged with um, desertion. And they would always bring people in as witnesses. And uh, so this one soldier appeared before Lincoln and he had no witnesses. And he asked the man, he says, is there no one who's going to stand up for your character? He says, you don't have any brothers or sisters or parents? And the guy said, no, they're all dead. They were all killed in the war. And Lincoln said, I'll be your witness. He pardoned him. <laughs> you know what? Uh, we are the only nation to survive a civil war as we have. In, in the scene, it only gives, a, in the movie, it only has one little scene of this, but it, it perhaps is the greatest distinction, the greatest mark of his presidency was that with the end of the war, he said, you see, there was a, there was a group in uh, Washington that wanted to hang Jefferson Davis, wanted to hang the Southern Congress, wanted to make them pay for their sins of, of rebelling and creating this division. And Lincoln said, if they will lay down their arms and go home, the war is over. We'll forgive them. That was the single move that brought the nations together. If they had hung the Southern Congress, if they had hung Jefferson Davis, if they had done all those things to punish, probably would have been another civil war. But it was his act of forgiveness. And you see, what brought out that character in Lincoln? What brought out, was it all of his defeats that gave him a sensitivity to people who were defeated? And in our own lives, you, you look inside of us and we look at the, the difficulties, the despair, and the hope. And how does this work inside of us? And if we look at Jeremiah... God is going to take a normal life experience. He tells Jeremiah, he says, you go down to the potter's house, and when you get there, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to show you something. So Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, and the potter and the clay is a ready-made story of God's sovereignty, potter, and the clay being fashioned by the hand of the potter. <laughs> Have you ever worked with clay? I worked with Clay, and he wasn't a good guy to work for. No. <laughs> Just couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 
But if you ever worked with clay, what happens? You know, I could never get it to go where I wanted to. And I put a bunch of water on it. It was too soft and too hard. It wouldn't do what I wanted it to. So I gave up on being a potter. But sometimes it's too hard. Sometimes it's too soft. Sometimes you find, you know, as you're working with it, there's, there, you know, the people who made the clay, they didn't get all the little stones out of it or chunks out of it, and it mars what you want to do. And so the same way the clay struggles beneath the hand of the potter, what does the potter do? He simply works with it again and reshapes it and remolds it. The Bible says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God has a way of reshaping the experiences of our life. God has a way of causing things to come about in a different perspective. Sometimes we need to be remade. Sometimes the despair is about how we are being reshaped. It isn't the pressures of life that shape our lives. It's the hand of God. Tabby, where's Tabby? She went downstairs. What did she, what did she say about this morning? She heard. What's that? It's not about us. We need to get out of the way. What about the potter and the clay? We like to tell God how to make us. Hey, God, you know what I want to be? <laughs> I, you know, I want to be this vessel that is used in the courts. <laughs> you know, the prince palace, whatever. No. God has a sovereignty over us that we are made with a purpose. And the text says, in the same way that the potter works with his clay, I work on you. So as we look at this, we're seeing that God is at work as the potter is working on the clay, so God is working on our life. And despair is our emotional response to the situation we see and how we see them. God is at work. You know, a few weeks ago, talking about movies, well, we, see, uh, we went to see Les Mis. And, you know, one of the situations in there we spoke about, you know I had a movie review, I'm sorry. But today is the movie review from David McGee. Yeah, I, I've been to two movies in a year, and yeah, I got to talk about them, you know. But, um, what's that? Oh, spoiler alert, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen the movie, let me tell you how it ends. No, uh, I always liked the little cartoon where the people were standing in line to watch the ti- to see the Titanic, and the, and the older people were talking about how it sank, and then the, the younger people were behind and they say, "Why'd you go and ruin the movie for us?" <laughs> You'll find out if you watch the movie. So, um, anyhow, in Les Mis, what if the situation must happen in order to open up the door to the talents that lie within? What if the despair and what if the situations must happen in order to open up the door to the talents that lie within us? See, God has a purpose. And to make what he places of us, to make what he places of us and what changes he pleases with us, to make what he pleases of us, there's what it is, to make what he ple- can't read my writing, to make what he pleases of us and to change what he pleases with us, of us and with us, so the vessel will be a vessel of honor. God wants to shape us. 
God formed us out of a clay. Dust of the earth. We're nothing but clay pitchers. We are still clay in his hands. So let's look at 2 Corinthians. Here we are, Paul is saying, we're clay pots, clay pitchers, shaped by God into a vessel. Verse 5 says, Our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying that here I am, I'm a a vessel for God, I'm a clay pitcher, but I want everybody to know that what I'm saying is not about me, but it's about God in me, and it's about what God has for me to do, what God's message is. So the message is not about us, it's about God. And it's important to know that God formed us for a purpose. (laughs) Hmm. God has us for a purpose. The message... Is about Jesus Christ, the Master. His fulfilling of His call upon our life. And He is filling us with the power of the Spirit. He's filling us with the power of the Spirit. So we are His messengers, errand runners from Jesus to you. That's what Paul says. We are errand runners. We're running errands. We are, we are instruments of God's use, bringing the message of God to you. So we are errand boys, errand ladies of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, my vessel is full of God, poured out to all. So what I'm here for is just to give you the message. And so what I possess in my container, he says, will light up the darkness. What I possess in my container will light up the darkness. Verse 7. If you look at us, you might well miss the brightness. If you become so preoccupied with me, you will miss the brightness of the message that I have to give you. Paul knew about this. Paul was traveling on the road to Damascus to kill Christians. And he knew the message about Christ, but he didn't know Christ. And he became so preoccupied with killing Christians, stoning Stephen and the rest, that he missed what was inside of them. He killed the individuals and missed the glory that was in them. But he saw it. Stephen died and he you know, gives his heart, gives his, commends his life to God. And Paul watches him die and he sees this glory in Stephen, but it doesn't change him until he meets the person of that glory. And in our lives, it is our meeting this person, Jesus Christ, that comes into our lives, that changes us, and we become, what's the word? Paralyzed? No. Harassed, we uh, look at the things of our circumstances of our life, despair and hope. And we look at despair, we look at hope. God is what fills our life with hope. You can adorn a picture with many rubies and diamonds, but it's still a clay pot. It's still a clay pitcher. You know, we look at... Um, our society and the models and the beauty and this and that, and they're still clay pots. Clay pots can come in many shapes and sizes. 
many different colors and many adorned them in many different gowns and crowns and suits and tuxes and everything else, but there's still a clay pot. The treasure is what's inside of us. Paul says, don't look at the container. It's about what's inside. That's to prevent anyone conf- that's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. Don't get confused. This life and the power and what I am doing is not about me, it's about Christ. And the power in you is the power that worketh in you is from God to take on the situations and circumstances that we face. And the clay pitchers are clay pitchers. No matter what you do with them, they're still a clay pitcher. We're still the temple. We're still just a pot formed by, you know, out of the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath of life. We became a living soul and this clay pitcher is going to go away someday, but the life inside of us will never go away. And so the power in you, the power that worketh in us is of God. And the power that works in us is to open up who we are, those secret places where those treasures are hidden. Sometimes we, from self-doubt and whatever, we keep them locked up. God wants to open it up to get inside. So don't get confused with difficulties. Don't become dis- dis- discouraged with despair. God is at work. Has your clay pot been abused? Well, Paul says... We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. The power is of God. He is in the vessel. Paul goes on. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. The power that lives within us is the power of God. He is in the vessel. He is in me. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. God is inside the clay pitcher. Don't be confused. The power of God resides in the vessel, not in the circumstance. He says, we've been thrown down. Imagine that, a clay pitcher, pitcher thrown down but we're not broken. The glory is of God. The power is of God. And it's not of us. And Paul finishes this section by saying, our lives are constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. It is the life of Christ inside of the picture. It is the life of God inside of us uncovering the treasures that God wants to take his word and grow them in us, develop them in us. Remember, evil only wants to steal and to keep buried what is of value. God wants to bring his word to life inside of us to uncover the treasures, uncover what's inside here that's been there all the time because he put it there. When you were yet in your mother's womb, he created you, formed you, 
put the treasures in there. And now the circumstances of life are opening the door for the opportunity to bring out what's there. His word will tap it. Despair will close it. Hope causes us to look at the substance of what God has done for 1,500 years in the nation of Israel, for 2,000 years through Christ and the church and his word. And he wants to take that and that substance of, that, of what has taken place and give us hope for the circumstances that we face. I'm not in despair. I've been beaten, but I'm not broken. I've been cast down, but I'm not broken. I've had conflict, but I'm not giving up because Christ, he is in this vessel. And the vessel that I possess is just a clay pitcher. Everybody looks a little different. Everybody talks a little different. Everybody can dress a little different. But the glory is what is on the inside. We're just clay pots. And the circumstances of life, the hand of God molds us into who we are. The vessel of clay. God who is our potter, God who is our potter, has us molded to deliver his message through our lives. The power is not of us, but of God. That's what God is doing. The potter and the clay. The treasure lies inside. And the potter fills the vessel with his spirit to uncover in us all those treasures that are of value. Shall we stand? <laughs> Paul says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See? The power in the vessel. So what do we fill our lives with? What do we fill our vessels with? We fill our, excuse me, we fill our vessels with the Word of God. Allow the Spirit of God to speak that Word to us. We are not in despair. We are a clay pitcher <laughs> experiencing pressures of life, but we're not in despair because the hope that is in us is the hope that is brought to us by God abiding within us. Amen? Father, thank you. Thank you for your spirit that abides within us. Thank you, O God, that greater is he that abides, <laughs> greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That greater is he that is in us than the one who is behind the despair. <laughs> greater is he that is in us than the one who feeds our despair. Because God gives us hope he fills, us, uh, fills our lives with his spirit and his word. It's a substance that we know, now we believe, will be part of us for tomorrow and for the dreams that God has given us. Thank you, O oh God, that we will be a vessel of honor for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.